0: All right, let's go to the Bible in Psalm 24, would you please? Psalm 24, what a wonderful, wonderful Bible God has given us. Someone said about the Bible, though the cover is worn, though some pages are torn, and though places bear traces of tears, yet more precious than gold is this book worn and old that can shatter and scatter my fears. When I prayerfully look in this precious old book, many pleasures and treasures I see. Many trophies of love from the Father above who's nearest and dearest to me. This old book is my guide. It's a friend by my side, and it will lighten and brighten my way, and each promise I find soothes and gladdens my mind as I read it and heed it each day. What we do with the Bible determines what God does with us. And God gave us the Scriptures so we would know how to get to heaven from here, so we would be wise into salvation. Anyone who is here today, and you're not sure if you died, you'd go to heaven. You need someone to open the Bible and show you that. It's not hard to have eternal life. God loves us. He's given us all we need to know to spend eternity with him. But someone needs to explain it to you. I had the joy to do that with about five or six people in the last 13 days. Sit down with them and open the Bible and show them how to be saved. I think about four of them accepted the Lord. One of them is not ready yet to receive the Lord. But I am so glad for the day that someone loved me enough to open the Bible and show me how to be saved. But after i'm saved the word of god is not only to give me salvation it's to show me how to live after i know i'm going to heaven jesus said i've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly anyone who has an abundant life is somebody who has a real relationship with the bible god gave us word of god to give us spiritual understanding the entrance of thy word giveth light it giveth understanding to the wisdom to the to the simple you and i if we have a relationship with the bible Life will be clearer. Understanding will be obvious. Many many Christians drive their entire life like a man trying to drive with just a a fogged-up windshield, with all he can see is just a little bit there where the defroster's working, trying to steer a life and make decisions, and a person trying to raise children or manage a marriage without true vision. They just look, well, you try to drive very long with just those little little things over your defroster and all the other things fogged up, you're going to have a wreck. And many people have a wreck. They, they bang into things along life's road that they could have avoided had they had the vision that God wants them to have, the understanding God wants them to have. You say, Pastor, does it matter if I miss a reading of my Bible day? It does matter. Does it matter if I don't meditate on the Scriptures? Oh, yeah. You go seven days without the word of God, it'll make one weak, W-E-A-K. You're gonna be weakened, but your vision will be impaired spiritually, knowing what to do in situations. But the word of God also changes us. In Isaiah 55, verse 10, the Bible says, as the rain and the snow come down from where? From heaven. And it waters the earth, and it bringeth, make it bring forth into bud, so it can bring seed for next year's sowing. And it can bring food for today's eating. So shall my word be, which cometh down from God. And it lands not on the soil of this earth, but on my soul. And it changes me. It brings beauty. It also brings productivity. He said, my my word will not return void, but it will accomplish that which I please. And then it will bring peace and joy and singing. I'm always nervous when people don't sing i think there's a there's joy and peace you know how much better of a mom a friend a sister a husband a father a citizen a church member you and i could be if we had peace and joy Well, you can't get that at costco you might get joy dishwashing liquid, but that would be the closest thing you could get to that no you can't get joy you can't get peace you can't get uh those things Anywhere else, Sam's Club doesn't have it, Walmart won't have it. You can't get it at Amazon Prime. You can only get that from the Word of God, a relationship with the Bible. I hope this is a Bible-believing, reading, studying, meditating, memorizing, applying church. And you read your newspaper, you study your Bible, study it. Seek the Lord to help you with that. Make much of the Bible, and God will make much of you. There's a lot of benefits that come from their life and relationship with the Bible. in Psalm 24, we believe this was a psalm written by David. It could have been written after uh, the Ark of the Covenant is brought back to, uh, to Jerusalem. It could have been written later on, but whenever it was written, it was obviously uh, reminding some very important things. It comes right uh, after Psalm 23 and 22, which are very significant prophetic psalms about Jesus. The Lord is my shepherd. How many love that verse right there? I shall not want. I remember hearing a story about a man who was an actor, and he got up and, and he learned the words to Psalm 23. And he did it very theatrically with a lot of drama and a lot of dramatic reading, and it was beautiful. The people clapped and thought that was great. Then someone said, well, there's an old pastor here. Have him come and do it. And so the old pastor walked up and took him a long time to get the pulpit, but he quoted the exact same psalm. At the conclusion of of doing, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He making me lie down. He did it. He didn't have the theatrics. He didn't have the dramatic reading. But boy, when he said the psalm, people began to weep. They began to be emotionally moved. And at the end of the time, boy, the hearts of the people were so just like, wow. No one really stood and clapped, they just were amazed, emotionally moved by what he... It was the same words with the actor as it was with the pastor. A different response from the people. At the conclusion, someone asked the actor, what in the world, what was the difference between the actor reading Psalm 23 and quoting that and the preacher? And uh, the actor said, oh, that's easy. I know the Psalm, he knows the shepherd. I just know the words. He knows the one who wrote the words, and it came through very clear. And Boy, I hope everybody here knows the shepherd. And when you read your Bible, you ought to look and say, where is Jesus? Get a fast track to Jesus. When you read something, find out where God is. Ask yourself, is there a principle I can apply? Is there a lesson I can learn? Is there a sin I can avoid? Is there, is there a, a, a something that God wants me to apply? in my heart and life. Every day you read the Bible, don't just come. You wouldn't be good if you just ate one time a week. You'd be very, uh, very sickly. And if you don't read your Bible daily, it's gonna, you're going to struggle. And may God help us not to do that. Psalm 24, Brother Kevin's already read it with us, but let's look if we can, please. I think there are four things I want you to notice in this psalm. Number one, I want you to notice God's place on the planet, in the planet. What is his place in the planet? Number two, I want you to notice God's purpose for you and I, His people. Number three, I want you to notice the priority He has for us to obtain that purpose. And then I want you to know God's uh, praise for His Prince of Peace, the Lord of Glory. Those Those are our four points today. Let's look, if we can, please, at verse number one. The Bible says, The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. For he hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. This is a recap, a little bit, of Genesis 1:1. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Real quickly, the Bible tells us when God made the world, he made it in a form that had, it was lacking three things. It lacked light, it lacked substance, it was empty or void, and it lacked form or shape or purpose. And then two things happen: God's spirit moved on the face of the water and God's word spoke and said, let there be light. Well, that's how you and I and God created the world and you're a creation of God. Not everybody's a child of God. Every once in a while, some ignorant soul, not being unkind, but they just don't know. They'll just say, well, we're all God's children. Not true. We're all created by God, but we're not all God's children. To be God's child, you must be born into his family. There has to be a birthday. There has to be a moment of time when you accept God's son. You receive and believe him, and then you become God's child. You're born not of blood, not of the will of man, or the will of flesh, but you're born of God. But we all are created by God, but without being born again, we are exactly like this world was. We are empty, we're in darkness, and we don't understand the purpose, the full purpose of life, we're without form. And we all need two things to happen. We need the spirit of God to work on the inside of us, and we need the word of God to be heard on our our ears and in our hearts. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by? Oh, we're born again by not the corruptible seed, but the incorruptible seed of the word of God. James tells us that, 1 Peter tells us that, 2 Peter reminds us that when someone is saved, it is by hearing God's word and understanding God's word, and the spirit of God moves and says, you're a sinner, you need the righteousness of Jesus. If you don't, you're going to be separated with God forever in the lake of fire. You need to do something about that. I remember the day that God dealt with my heart and I got saved." If you don't remember that day, it's probably because you weren't there. It needs to happen for you. You need to be born into God's family. But the first thing we learn from the psalmist here in Psalm 24 is we learn God's place on the planet. The earth is the Lord's. I think probably one of the greatest concepts that Christians can apply to their heart and life today is understanding stewardship. The earth belongs to God. The world and everything that's here, and you, and I, are all his creation. God sets one thing, his place in creation, his place on the planet is, he's the owner. Now, if God owns everything, how much do we own? Nothing. A zero with the ink rubbed out. We don't own it. Now we exchange different stuff in this world. But the truth of the matter is, your car is not your car. Your health is not your health. Your kids are not your kids. The Bible says children are an heritage of the Lord. Church is not your church. Your house is not your house. Nothing you have, and the quicker you can understand that and look through the lenses of stewardship, the better Christian you'll be. You'll change everything about you if you understood stewardship. God is the owner. We get really squirrely in our thinking when we think we own something. We get really upset when it's taken away, when it's damaged, when something happens. Ah, boy, we get mad. Well, you get mad at somebody, get mad at God. (laughs) And it was his from the beginning. No, he's the owner of everything. Number two, we find that he's the creator of everything. He made it. He claims ownership because he made it. He made it, he owns it, he created it, and he's sovereign. He is over all. He is going to call his son in a few moments, the Lord, a king of glory. He's going to say, Who is this king of glory? It's Jehovah. It's Jehovah God, and it's Jesus Christ, who is the King of glory. So I think a a good thing to start here, that David, or whoever wrote this, we believe David did, he starts with God. By the way, that's a good place to start your life. (laughs) Start your day with God. Start your week with God. Start everything with God. He's where it all begins. When you lead someone to Christ, it always starts with God. He's the one who's been working the lives of people far beyond before you showed up. Everything starts with Him. You ought to ask yourself, what does God want me to do? Not what I feel like I should do. Not what I want to do. Not my opinions. What should I do in my marriage? What should I do in my relationship? What what does God want me to do? As for God, His way is perfect. There's a way that seemeth right to a man. We can get all kinds of uh, attitudes and, and perspectives and they come from you and they come from me, we got issues. We're gonna have some real problems. If we get them from God, that's where things smooth out. I'm not saying they're easy in the beginning, they're not. It's usually your, your first day of sins, your best day. Your first day of walking with God is your hardest day. The first day of doing the things for God are the more difficult. But as you keep going, you're like, oh man, it's sweeter as the days go by. It's good. But number one, we need to see God's place on the planet. He's the owner. He's the creator. He's the sovereign. He's the potentate. He's the king of glory that is spoken about here. Let's look real quickly at number three, would we please? The second point I want you to notice is God's purpose for his people. Look at verse three and read it out loud with me, would you please? Who shall ascend unto the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand? He asks a question. Who is it that's going to ascend to the hill of the Lord? Who is going to stand in his holy place? Verse 5, would you skip? We'll come back to 4 in just a moment. Look at verse 5. Read that with me. He shall receive the blessing from the Lord, the righteousness from the God of his salvation. I think you see, number one, God's place on the planet. Number two, God's purpose for his people. What does God want for you? Number one, he wants you to have have a heavenly ascension. Who's going to ascend to the hill of the Lord? God made you to enjoy Him forever. He made you to go to heaven. It's not God's plan, according to the book of 1st 2nd Peter, chapter 3, that God is not willing that any would perish, die without Christ, go to hell. He didn't make hell for you. You go to hell, you have to climb into it. You'll climb over the Word of God, you'll climb over a church, you'll climb over gospel tracks, you'll climb over a friend who is trying to help you get saved. Everybody goes to hell, goes to hell unsaved. No one goes to hell unloved. God loves you, and He wants you to have a heavenly ascension. He wants you to live in His holy hill forever. That's what God wants for us. He wants us to have a heavenly ascension. Number two, I think you'll notice here in verse number three, he says, I want you to, who will ascend to the house of God? Who will stand in a holy place? He wants you to have a holy standing. He wants you to to live and, and to be in the same standing of his son Jesus. And you can. And you will. In the book of 1 John chapter 3, the Bible says, when we see him, we shall be like him. In purity, well, right now, I'm a, I'm a sinner, you're a sinner. But God wants us to be, one day, we'll be like him. I love the verse, you do too. Romans 8, 28, some of it's your life verse. And we know that all things work together for, to them that, love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. But the next verse is equally important. It's almost like you don't want to say 28 unless you say 29. And the Bible tells us of whom he did foreknow. He did predestinate, predetermine that people who would be saved would be formed in the likeness of his son. We predestinate to be in his image. You know, God's goal for all of us and a reality if you're saved, one day you will be not only positionally holy, you'll be practically holy. Right now when God sees a Christian He sees them as justified, declared innocent. Now, practically, we're not holy. That's what we need to do. That's one of the reasons we're here this morning. But positionally, when God sees you, if you're saved, he sees you through the lenses of his son's blood. He doesn't see you as you. We have a songbook over here, but let me use it as an illustration. Before I was saved, before anyone is saved, if God said, give me the book on John Wilkerson, The angel hands him the book. He'll say, man, oh, ah, oh, he thought that he did that. He was there. Oh, good night. This reads like a tabloid. It's awful. This is everything he's ever done wrong. And if you go into eternity without Jesus, that's what you have to face. The books will be open. Your life and all your sin will be stood before God and you'll be judged according to your sin. But the moment I accepted Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us that God... There's another book. It's the book of Jesus. And it is beautiful. Everything's great. Not one sin, not one blot, not one embarrassing moment, not one foul thought, not one bad word. It's beautiful. And at salvation, when I accepted Jesus Christ, God took the contents out of the life and times of John Wilkerson and pulled it out. And he put the contents out of the life and times of Jesus Christ, and he pulled that out. And he put that inside of this cover. And he put put God's holiness, Jesus, inside of my cover. And now when you see over here the life and times of John Wilkerson, let's give me Wilkerson's book he opens up and says, wow, it's beautiful. (laughs) It's just like my son. Because he imputed his, Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin for me. That I might become the righteous of God in him. And then Jesus, of course, he, he became all of me and you so that we could be clean and innocent before God. It's a beautiful thing. God's purpose is that we would have a heavenly ascension. We would live with him forever. But we'd also have a holy standing before God. I think the next thing we find is, is we would have an honorable blessing. Look at verse 5. He says, if I can get a person who to, who, who, that I want him to be, he shall receive what? Yeah, God wants us to be blessed. Well, sometimes people think, oh, no. Yeah, if you're a Christian, phew, you don't get to do anything. It's rough. Some of us live like it's rough. John said in John 10.10, 10, and Jesus said, I've come to give them life, but not just eternal life, but life more. Boy, you watch people live and die, and you watch people that live this world happy, it's because they live for Jesus. You watch people who leave this world miserable with a lot of pile of wish-I-would-haves, it's because they did not live committed to the Lord we need to understand God's place on the planet his purpose for his people but his priority to enjoy his purpose Well, people who live without shape without form without purpose it's miserable I don't like it but this world is full of it what are you doing? hanging out hanging out just chilling you know what do you think about that? Whatever. Those are buzzwords today. How many have heard them before? How many have said them before? Keep your hands down. That's okay. We all have. We've said them and done it. You know, the truth of the matter is, it's just, uh, if people don't have a purpose, it, they really struggle. God has a purpose, and your purpose is to have a heavenly ascension that you'll be glad to see God, not like, oh, boy. That you'll have a holy standing and you'll have a humble and an honorable blessing from the Lord. That's what he wants for you. I hath not seen, nor ear heard, nor, th- nor entered to the heart of man the things God has prepared for those who love him. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you would ask or think. Jeremiah 29 verse 11. I know the thoughts I think toward you. They are good and not evil and to bring you to an expected end. This is why the psalm starts off with an opinion of God. See, your opinion of God matters a lot for how you behave yourself. And the Bible tells us here, number one, that we need to understand that God's place on the planet is he's the owner, he's the creator, he is sovereign, he runs things. The earth is the Lord's. Number two, his purpose for me is that I would live forever with him in a holy standing and with with honorable blessings. But the priority to get that happening is verse number four. Would you look at it real quickly? The first thing we need to do, and that's the end of verse number five, we need to be saved. Are you saved? Say, Pastor, I know what that means. You're probably not saved, okay? We can help you with that. Have you been born to God's family? Have you settled the score with a God who knows everything about you? Do you know for sure if you die today, you'd go to heaven? If you don't know that, it's okay. I didn't know it either. So someone explained it to me. You're in a great place this morning to find that out. But the be, to have all those things that God has for you, the blessings and the purpose of your life, number one, you have to be saved. You have to have experienced the salvation that God talks about in verse number five. Number two, after you're saved, there are some criteria and some priorities that we need to function. Look at verse number four, would you please? The Bible says here, He that hath clean hands and a pure heart who hath not lifted up his soul into vanity are sworn deceitfully. I want to encourage you to understand salvation is a gift, not a reward. If you're going to heaven, you're going to heaven because there's been a time and a place when you accepted God's gift in exchange for your sin. It's when God took your sin and you took his son. That's the only thing needed to have eternal life. But after we're saved, there are responsibilities that, let, that rest upon us. Just like when you're born, your mom birthed you. But as you grow, you have responsibilities. Now you have been given a command to honor your father and mother, to obey your father and mother, to do some things. Well, here's God's command for us. Number one is I want you to have clean hands, sanctified actions. God's plan after we're saved is that we would clean up our life. You know, God saves us, but he tells us, keep thyself pure. He tells us to do some things. The book of 1 Peter, he says in 2 Peter, giving all diligence. Can you say that with me? Giving all. You know what he's telling us? The Christian life is a work. And the harder you work, the luckier you'll get. You know what reading the Bible is, walking with God? It's work. You know what serving the Lord is? It's work. He said, but the first thing you need to do is make sure that you have clean hands. As you serve the Lord, who's going to be able to ascend? Who is going to be able to minister in a a pure way? It's going to be people that have clean hands. That means your life needs to be clean. Is your life clean? Is your social media clean? Is your phone clean? Is your computer clean? Is your thoughts clean? If they're not, you're the person that has to fix that. I don't know why God lets me fall into sin. He doesn't let you fall into sin. You do it well by yourself. I don't know why God didn't stop me. Oh, come on now. He's made something stronger than his will, and that's yours. He gives you a choice. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. He doesn't push you in the paths of righteousness. He leads you. If you don't end up at your destination, and you're not the kind of person you ought to be, and we all ought to be satisfied with what we have, we should not be satisfied with who we are. We're all a work in progress. We need to follow the Lord. And he says, number one, he says, I want you to have a sanctified actions. Number two, he says, I want you to have a sanctified heart. He said, who is going to enjoy the blessings of God in this life and the next? It's going to be somebody who has a clean life. It's going to be have someone who has a pure heart. Tonight, Lord willing, I'll be speaking out of Hebrews chapter 12. I'm very excited about the message. If you could only come this morning or tonight, I suggest you come tonight, okay? But I will remind you that the Bible tells us you need to have a heart that's pure and holy. Without holiness, you can't see the Lord. The Bible says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You'll never see God in the way you ought to see on a diet of HBO. Cinemax, all the music of the world and everything you want to have the world has to offer you, you'll be limited to see God in his real state. You can't be one with God until you're two with sin. And God says, number one, I am the owner, I am the creator, I am the sovereign one, and I have a plan for you. That plan is a holy, heavenly ascension, a holy status, and and a, a place. And then also many honorable blessings, but they'll begin at salvation and then a sanctified actions, sanctified life, sanctified heart, being right with God and pure here. And then he says in verse number four, he gives the other thought and that is not lifted up. The soul is not lifted up to vanity, a solidified affections. You know, the Bible tells us our soul is how we think, it's how we feel, and it's what we want. It's our feelings, our thinking about things. It's what we want. And by the way, that's one of the reasons God's given you a Sunday school teacher, spiritual leader, someone to disciple you, a pastor. We're not all that in a bag of chips. We know that. We you know what a pastor does. He watches for your soul. He tries to take the word of God and the things of God and shape the congregation's thinking and feelings and desires so they would coincide with God's word and God's desires. I'm not always successful at that. I'm not always successful at sharing that with you, and you're not always successful at following that. But that's one of our, our jobs. He said, listen, the, one of the reasons you listen to your pastor and your Sunday school teacher, your spiritual leaders, is and submit to them is because they watch for your souls. That they that must give an account that they can do it with joy and not with grief. In just a few days, we're all going to stand before God. You'll stand before him by yourself. I'll stand before him by myself. But I'll have to stand before him a little bit more because to whom much is given. He said, be not many masters, knowing you'll receive the greater con- I have much more at stake in the leadership role that God chose to give me. But he says, listen, it's very good that you let your thinking and your feelings and your desires be shaped by God because you're getting ready to see him. You're getting ready to see him and you're going to give an account for what you did. Was your life sanctified? Was your heart sanctified? Did you follow, did your soul follow things that were vanity, no good, empty, lived and died right here in this world? Or did they have a heavenly attachment? Colossians tells us in chapter three, set your affections on things not on things on the earth. We come to an offering time. We come to soul winning times or Saturday soul winning meeting on Saturday. You have choices. Are you going to mow your lawn? You could do it another time. You could do it in the afternoon or you, could you go out and stand on someone else's lawn and talk to them about Jesus? Could you go get another expenditure and spend your money there or could you give to world evangelism? You got choices. One will transition to eternal benefit. The other one would just live and die here. We have choices to make. He said, man, if you're going to enjoy the blessings of God, you need to have a clean life, clean thinking, clean heart, and you're going to need to pursue things that are not vanity, that are eternal. It was Jesus that said, lay up for yourselves, not for the pastor, not for the church, for you. Treasures in heaven. It was Paul that says, here and I give you my advice, for this is expedient for you. It's You're the beneficiary when you invest in things that are eternal. Now, the devil, society, and our own self says, no, no, you're wasting your money. Oh, I could, you could, you could do use your money, but are you wasting your time? How, how come you're going out and telling people about Christ? Why are you trying to invite people for friend day? Oh, that's just, I, oh, they don't understand. That goes on the other side of eternity's window." He said, I wanna encourage you to don't pursue things that are vanity, but pursue pursue things that are eternal in nature. These are things that inhabit the blessings of God. The last thing is that we need to have sincere words and nor sworn deceitfully. That means we have to be careful in in our tongues And what we say we're going to do, what we're not going to do. And then the last thing the Bible tells us is God's praise for his prince of glory. Let's read the last part of this and we'll conclude. Verse number six. This is a generation of him, of them that seek him, that seek thy face, O Jacob, Selah. Would you read verse seven with me? Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lift up, ye everlasting doors. Well, who is the king of glory, verse 8? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Even lift them up, ye everlasting doors. The king of glory will come in. Would you conclude with me, verse 10? Everyone, nice and loud. Who is? Boy, I tell you what. When you see Christ in his glory and God is a paramount and preeminent in our thoughts, then we'll fulfill our purpose. We'll meet the criteria and the priorities that God's given us. We'll have clean lives, clean thinking, clean hearts. We'll have lives with purpose. We'll have words that are sincere and careful and direct and not destroy when we see God in his place.